Continuing the series, Dear Church, a journey through the book of Galatians. We're studying the book of Galatians the entire summer. And I wanted to start off just by revisiting um, Juneteenth, the Juneteenth holiday that we observed uh, last Monday because I didn't get an opportunity. I briefly mentioned it, but to get an opportunity to really go in depth because of Father's Day and our guest speaker, which, by the way, did you enjoy our guest speaker? Yeah. How many guys enjoyed the banana pudding? Because I almost didn't get one. But I got one. Pastor Carol saved me one. And so, man, those 300 banana puddings went real quick, and it was good. So look for famous fatsos around Sacramento, 20 locations. But um, I wanted to just revisit Juneteenth for a moment. On January 1st, 1863, the Emancipation Proclamation was issued by Abraham Lincoln, and it declared that all persons held as slaves shall be free. But in Texas, over 250,000 slaves didn't get the message until two and a half years later when Major General Gordon Granger arrived on the shores of Galveston, Texas on June 19, 1865, and announced the end of the Civil War and that all slaves were free. I wanted to revisit this because I think Juneteenth in some ways illustrates what's happening in our journey through the book of Galatians this summer. In essence, the Apostle Paul is declaring through this letter a type of emancipation proclamation to the church of Galatia that declared that they had already been set free by grace through faith in the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ. But they were not living free because Judaizers were preventing them from living in total freedom by teaching a different gospel that said Jesus wasn't enough. But how many of you know here this morning that Jesus is enough? Not only is he enough, he is more than enough. Yet this is what the enemy does to the modern day believer even today. He keeps us blinded from the revelation and the realization that 2,000 years ago, Jesus declared your, you, your emancipation proclamation that you were set free. And not only set free, but Jesus has given everything we need to live free and stay free. So many believers live their lives behind invisible bars with a tamed and timid version of a false gospel that has been rendered powerless and ineffective. How many know it's not God's will for your life to be ineffective in your Christian walk? And so how many know, come on, he wants to release some Christians this morning by his grace and by his power. He wants to awaken you this morning. And I believe, and my prayer has been, listen, that you would encounter his goodness as we sang about this morning, that you would encounter his grace, that, listen, he, wherever you're at in your walk, listen, that he would renew you, that he would restore you, that he would empower you, 
that you would experience the grace of God upon your life. We're going to start chapter 2 today. We finished chapter 1 a couple weeks ago. But up to this point, Paul has made it clear. There's only one gospel. Everybody say one. one. How many know it's hard to get one messed up? Right? <laughs> there is one gospel. This was Galatians 1, 6 through 10. Of which Paul, listen, received through a face-to-face -face encounter, which we read about in Acts chapter 9. You can read about Paul's testimony. He came face-to-face -face with the resurrected Lord, and God downloaded him a revelation, listen, of a transformed life, listen, and the message of the gospel that he would take to the uttermost parts of the world. Following his conversion, he spent those three years sharing the gospel with Gentiles or maybe outsiders, those who were outside Judaism or the Jewish faith before meeting with Peter in Jerusalem for 15 days, which was his first encounter with an apostle. We're going to pick up and we're going to read 10 verses. Is that okay if we read scripture here this morning? We're going to read the first 10 verses of Galatians chapter 2, 1 to 10. It's on the screen Follow with me. Then after 14 years, I went up again to Jerusalem with Barnabas, taking Titus along with me. I went up because of a revelation and set before them, talking about the apostles that he went to go see, though privately before those who seemed influential, the gospel that I proclaim among the Gentile. So he set before, he goes to Jerusalem and he sets before them, listen, the gospel that he has been preaching. In order to make sure I was not running or had not run in vain. He didn't want to waste all the kingdom work that he'd done in the Galatian church that was directly under attack from these Judaizers that had crept in. He says this, but even Titus who was with me was not forced to be circumcised though he was a Greek. Yet because of false brothers, I want you to highlight that or make note of that. Because a false brother secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ. Jesus. How many know people get upset when you're free and they're not? Verse 5, to them, I love this, to them we did not yield in submission even for a moment so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you and from those who seem to be influential. What they were makes no difference to me. God shows no partiality. Another translation says God shows no favoritism. How many thankful find God sees all people the same? He says, I, those I say who seemed influential added nothing to me. Verse 7, on the contrary, when they saw that I had been entrusted with the gospel to the uncircumcised. How many know it's hard sometimes for people to argue with what God is doing in your life? This is basically what Paul is saying. Just as Peter had been entrusted with the gospel to the circumcised or the Jewish community, for he who worked through Peter for his apostolic ministry to the circumcised worked also through me for mine to the Gentiles. And then James and Cephas, which is another name for Peter and John, who seemed to be pillars, perceived the grace that was given to me. They gave the right hand of fellowship to Barnabas and me that we should go to the Gentiles and they to the circumcised circumcised verse 10 only they asked us to remember the poor the very thing I was eager to do father I pray that we would encounter your grace and your goodness this morning Lord give us eyes to see ears to hear a heart to believe and receive all that you have for us 
In Jesus' name, and everybody said amen Amen and amen. This morning, I want to introduce you to another truth that Paul puts on display for all of us to see in Galatians chapter 2, and it's this. It is the importance of gospel unity in which he boldly goes up to Jerusalem, not to be approved, because we already learned that he wasn't seeking for the approval of men or to be affirmed by them, but to confirm that the gospel he was preaching, listen, the apostles in Jerusalem were also preaching. It leads me to my first point, that gospel unity is courageous. Gospel unity is courageous. What we've learned so far in the previous weeks is that Gospel identity will always expose slavery to sin. I can talk this morning. That's all right. Gospel identity will always expose slavery to sin. What do I mean by that? We said this. When I know who I am in Christ, it's clear who I am not. And I challenged you with the question a few weeks ago, who are you not? Listen, you are not your job. You are not what someone labeled you. You are not what someone did to you. You are not your failure. You are not your past. Listen, with a new gospel identity, you've been given a new gospel identity, and the Bible says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The second thing we we talked about is we, we have gospel clarity. Gospel clarity will always expose false ideology. False ideology is a concept or idea that does not match reality and contradicts the word of God. This is one of Satan's greatest schemes in today's culture. And people tend to become accustomed to and familiar with false ideologies that are repeated over and over in what we consume. Come on. Things like YouTube, come on, things that we watch on TV, the music we listen to, some of the things we learn even in education, and eventually we believe them as though they were truth. Remember what I said a few weeks ago, and get this in your heart, listen, as a filter, gospel truth will always cut through cultural trends. And lastly, we learned about gospel authority. Gospel authority is defined as this. It will always bring us into the liberty and freedom of the Holy Spirit. And what I want to talk to you about this morning is gospel unity. And what gospel unity does, it preserves all three of those things. Your gospel identity, your gospel clarity, and gospel authority. Unity preserves all three. In other words, gospel unity gets us on the same page when it comes to understanding and walking in the revelation of the gospel of grace and understanding your identity. Listen, seeing with clarity and walking in the fullness of God's Authority. I want you to say it with me, unity, unity. directs, Direct. come on, unity, unity. protects, Protect. and unity reflects. unity reflects. Unity directs us to know whose we are and who we are in Christ. Whose we are and who we are in Christ. It, unity protects the message of the gospel of Jesus Christ that we've been entrusted with. And unity reflects what we've been empowered by the Holy Spirit to not only preach, but to live out. How many know, listen, God wants us to live out the gospel. Come on, not only preach the gospel, but to live it out and demonstrate it together. 
You see, gospel unity is a result of courage, not compromise. It's the result of doing the right thing and doing things right. I want you to notice in verses 1 and 2, Paul goes up again, chapter 2, it's 14 years later. It's important for you to understand. Again, Paul is defending, listen, the attack of the Judaizers that are trying to discount his apostleship, that are trying to say that his message is candy-coated, and Paul is defending himself, and he's explaining exactly what happened. He's saying, 14 years ago, I went up to Jerusalem, and there's two words that jumped off the page for me, and I want to communicate them to you. He said, I went up by revelation. I went up by, in other words, listen, he was under attack, he was under accusation, and in the midst of that, God gave him a, a revelation of what to do. How many know, come on, how many know the Lord will give you a strategy and a solution for every problem that you're facing? Yes. Come on, the front row is getting it. How about in the back? How many know God will give you a strategy and solution for whatever problem you're facing? Oh, that's pretty good. All right. <laughs> But he says, I went up by revelation. In other words, he's asking the Lord what to do. And listen, I want to give you what to do when you're facing a problem, whether, listen, it's within your family or maybe it's on the job or maybe you're facing some uh, uh, mountain that's in front of you. This is, this is what I want you to simply do this week when you encounter a problem. Are you ready for this? I want you to just stop for a moment and just turn your palms upside down and just say, come Holy Spirit. Listen, just acknowledge his presence. And how many know in his presence, come on, the Bible says the hills melt like wax and the enemies scatter. This is, listen, this is what I want you to do. Listen, don't be overwhelmed. Don't let the problems of life, listen, overwhelm you. Come on and bury you. Just listen, just take, take a step back and turn your hands towards heaven and just say, come Holy Spirit, I need you. Listen, that's why the Holy Spirit is not only called our guide, he's called our helper. He's called our comforter. Listen, he's called the, listen, the one that we have, we have an advantage with the Holy Spirit. So Paul has this revelation of what to do, and he goes up to Jerusalem, and it says this, that he communicated to them that the gospel which he preached among the Gentiles, but privately, everybody say communicated, communicated. and say privately. You see, it's easy to overlook these verses and get to some of the more popular verses that we quote and we put to memory. But Paul demonstrates something powerful to us that if we will all commit to as a local church, we would preserve unity in the church. And it's this. Paul is preserving the gospel in chapter 2 by pursuing unity through courageous conversations. He went... And one translation says, he set before him the gospel. And this translation says, he communicated to them. How many know communicating can be challenging? Come on, those of you that are married, come on, you know that communication can be challenging if we're honest. Listen, communication in the church can be challenging. I think it's one of the weak points, listen, of the big C churches are communication. But he went to them, it says he went to them and communicated to them the gospel which he preached. Listen, if we're not, to, if we're not talking directly to someone, how many know we are most likely talking about someone? 
I love this because he gives us a lesson. He went directly to them. He was being accused, falsely accused. They were gossiping about Paul. They were talking about Paul behind his back. And listen, the Holy Spirit gave him a strategy to go direct to the source. And listen, if somebody's lying about you, come on, gossiping about you, how many know they'll quiet down when you go directly to the source? And so he goes directly to the source. How many know talking about someone is not gospel, but it's gossip? I love what our friend Real Talk Kim said. I I was scrolling uh, IG and I saw this and and I loved it, so I wrote it down. It says, get around people who will pray for you to win and won't gossip about you if you lose. Proverbs 16, 28 says, troublemakers are always causing problems. Their gossip breaks up the closest of friends. This is what the Judaizers were doing to Paul in Paul's absence. They were saying he was not among the original apostles. They said that his message was candy-coated and sugar-coated. They said his message of grace would result in a license to sin. But how many know the Holy Spirit gave Paul, just like he'll give you, come on, some supernatural help in the midst of the false accusations. Come on, in the midst of the gossip. Listen, God will vindicate you. I love it because how many know the Holy Spirit is always a step ahead of the enemy? Always a step ahead of the enemy. And the second thing he does is he goes to the apostles privately. To those who are of reputation. And I want to say this. Gospel unity is preserved by private confrontation, not public humiliation or retaliation. Has anybody ever been publicly humiliated? Anybody besides me. All right. You know how that feels. You know that there's something that rises up in front uh, in you that wants to do something right now. Paul is... Being accused, there's all the, he's feeling all the feels, you guys. He's got all the emotions, but he goes privately to the apostles. Proverbs 27, verse 6 says, Faithful are the wounds of a friend who corrects out of love and concern, but the kisses of an enemy are deceitful because they serve his hidden agenda. You remember, Paul wasn't going to Jerusalem to get the approval of the apostles. He was led by the Holy Spirit to pursue unity, to confirm that they were in agreement in order to get their endorsement so that he could silence the false accusations of the Judaizers, listen, that were ravaging the Galatian church and expand his mission to the unreached Gentile world. Let me just say this as we move on to the next point. The number one killer of influence in the church today is our inability to walk in humility and have healthy conversations with one another. Can I just tell you this? Listen, don't put all your mess out on social media. Come on, give it a day or so. Listen, don't throw your spouse under the bus. Come on. Don't throw your cousin. Come on. Don't throw your friends under the bus on social media because how you know a lot of times God will work that stuff out. And then the next time I see you, come on, you'll be with your spouse and I'll be like, I guess they made up or something or like that. I'll be like, I thought that I thought I thought it was over, right? I thought I thought the friendship was gone. But God did a miracle, but man, because you put your mess out there, listen, DM them. 
Come on, pick up the phone and call somebody and have a healthy, come on, confrontation. And with a healthy confrontation, have a healthy conversation. Listen, and if you don't agree with somebody's post on Facebook or Instagram or whatever gram you're on, listen, pick up the phone and talk to somebody to get some clarity. Listen, so you don't lose your mind. Listen, you don't lose your identity. You don't lose your clarity. And you don't lose your authority. But together we can keep the unity in the body of Christ because I know your heart and I took time to call you and actually understand you where you were coming from. I see everybody just getting off social media right now anyway. But listen, listen, hell, I used to think that I used to think that conflict was of the devil. All conflict was of the devil. And so, therefore, I avoided it until I learned that you can have healthy conflict. Listen, posting, listen, posting your unprocessed thoughts for the whole world to see is not boldness. It's, listen, it's folly. It's foolishness. Listen, listen, before you post, come on, process. Process with somebody, come on, face-to-face before you go on Facebook, right? Don't be so insta on the gram. Process it, then put it on the gram. But like Paul, listen, like Paul, and this is where we're going in the coming weeks. We're still talking about Paul defending himself, but this is where we're going with this. Like Paul, we need to handle the gospel well by allowing the gospel to handle us well, <laughs> Come on, how do you know the gospel, come on, can help us out? Yes. Secondly, gospel unity is strategically confrontational. I love this. You see this in Galatians 1, 2, 1, that Paul brings with him his friend Barnabas, which means, his name means encouragement, and he brings a uh, guy named Titus. He takes two friends. Come on, every, anybody ever need just a couple of friends to go along with him? He took an encourager in Barnabas and a testimony in Titus. And I believe that's what we need as a church and that's what we need in our lives when we are contending for something. Listen, we need encouragement and we need testimonies. Listen, don't let the enemy silence you. Listen, don't let the enemy, listen, uh, uh, convince you to do it by yourself. Listen, take your friends with you. Come on, you need some constant encouragers in your life. You need some constant testimonies in your life. You see, Titus was a Greek Gentile, flesh and blood, uncircumcised Christian. The false brothers or the Judaizers had infiltrated the church and they insisted that in order for Titus to be saved, he needed to trust Christ and live according to the Jewish ritual of circumcision. How do you know that might give you uh, a reason just to think about your decision to follow Jesus. Oh, we forgot to tell you, listen, this Wednesday night, we're having a circumcision party and you're invited. <laughs> this is what I want us to see in bringing Titus. Listen, they didn't even have, Paul didn't even have to say anything when he arrived in Jerusalem before uh, the apostles. He didn't have to say anything because by bringing Titus, Paul confronted the other apostles in Jerusalem with a living testimony, a concrete test 
case. And how many know it's hard to argue with a testimony? Come on, it's hard to argue, listen, that you've been set free, that you've been changed, that your marriage has been restored, that God's given you a promotion. It's hard to argue with what God's done in our lives. Look at Galatians 2, verses 3 to 5. But even Titus, who was with me, was not forced to be circumcised, though he was a Greek. Everybody say, praise the Lord. Because a false brother secretly brought in who slipped in to spy out our freedom that we have in Christ Jesus so that they might bring us into slavery. Verse 5, underline it, highlight it, but hold on to it. To them, the Judaizers, to them, come on, the false brothers and sisters. Now we know we got some false sisters too. To them, we did not yield in submission even for a moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Come on, how do you know we're not living for ourselves? Come on, I'm not living for today. Listen, I'm living for tomorrow. Come on, and the next generation that is coming behind me. Listen, the decisions we make today. Listen, the gospel that we preach today. Come on, is going to be the gospel that the next generation preaches. We've got to get it right today so they get it right tomorrow. Gospel unity, therefore, confronts everything that is not in line with the revelation of the gospel of grace that Paul preached. Let me just mention this. Grace, liberty, and freedom is not a license to sin. Just in case people thought I was going that way. But the law of the Spirit empowers us to walk in freedom, producing fruitfulness in our lives, which is coming up in the coming weeks. Romans 8, 1 to 2, it's one of the first verses that I learned in youth group, but there is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Come on. For the law of the spirit of life in Christ Jesus has set you free from the law of sin and death. So Jesus fulfilled the law so I can walk in the spirit of the law. Come on, I don't have to live by regulation. Come on, I live by revelation. Listen, come on, I've got a Holy Ghost. Come on, God on the inside of me that will direct every step. Come on, that'll keep my foot from evil. You don't have to tell me it's wrong because something on the inside is already telling me it's wrong. So the law of the Spirit confronts everything that we are falsely submitting to in our lives as believers, including, which I'm going to mention over and over again throughout the series, the things that we are not. Come on, how many know when we worship in spirit and in truth? Come on, every false identity will be exposed because God sees you who you really are. False gospels, the wrong ideas that you have about life. False beliefs, the wrong beliefs or concepts you have about God, how many know that's important? Listen, the concepts that we have about God are so important. And then false brothers and sisters, people who will talk about you to others, but not to your face in order to deceive others. And Paul says this, I love this verse, to them we did not yield, not for one moment, so that the truth of the gospel might be preserved for you. Do you see what unity is doing right here? Unity is protecting. Galatians 2.6, Paul says that they added nothing to my message. And so what happens is the apostles' acceptance of Titus 
was proof and a vivid illustration that they had accepted Paul's ministry and these radical implications of the gospel of grace. And here's what he, it implies, that an individual becomes spiritually clean and acceptable only through Jesus Christ. Nothing else. How many know he's sufficient? He is all we need. We don't need to do any extra deeds or ritual because how many know the work on the cross is finished? Christianity is about who you are in Christ. Listen, not what you do for Christ. This is the revelation of righteousness. It's not the works that I do. My works are as filthy rags, the Bible says. But a revelation of righteousness is who I am in his presence. It's who he has created me to be as his image bearer here on earth. You see, the gospel, the performance gospel that I talked about a few weeks ago says do, do, do. How many know that's a bunch of doo-doo? Right? It says you're never enough. You're never good enough. Keep trying. Keep going. Listen, you got to do more of this, more of this, more of that, more of that. But listen, the gospel of grace says just be. Be still and know that I am God. Just be who I created you to be. Be a blessing. Hallelujah. The false brothers had used the regulations in order to teach the exact opposite that they could make that we could make ourselves pure and more acceptable to God through what we do and strictly complying with the law but how you know Jesus is more than enough here this morning and then lastly as the worship team comes and again my prayer is that you would encounter his grace this morning it's this that gospel unity reflects God's creativity gospel unity creates or reflects God's creativity. Gospel unity is not conformity or uniformity. In other words, God never called us to sameness. He calls us to oneness. Come on, how many of you thankful, come on, that, that the goal, come on, of being a member at Real Life Church is not to look like Pastor Dean. Come on, how you know that's a whole lot of vanilla right there. Come on. Listen, but no, but listen, being one of the most diverse churches, listen, in all of Sacramento, listen, the goal is not sameness, the goal is oneness. Listen, that we would learn to align ourselves with the body and that we would receive our assignment from heaven, listen, and walk in unity and in one accord together for the power and the glory of God. And I love this, I love this Galatians 2, verse 7, because they recognize, I'm not going to take time to read it, they recognize the grace that was on Paul was different than the grace that was on them. The grace that was on Paul was different than the grace that was on them. Listen, the grace that was on my life and Amy's life was, is different than the grace that was on the founding pastors, Pastor Scott and Karen. I'm not trying to be like Pastor Scott and Karen. And because I'm not trying to be like Pastor Scott and Karen, listen, why? Because I have my own grace. And listen, if I tried to walk in their grace, come on, how me know I'd be grinding. And listen, many of you are grinding, listen, because you're trying to walk in somebody else's grace. But there is a grace, listen, there is a uniqueness, a gifting, a calling, an assignment, listen, that God has just for you. 
I'm so thankful that God calls us to live and demonstrate the same message, but he doesn't call us to be the same. You see, this is in your notes. God anoints us, he assigns us, and calls us to a variety of mission fields that require God's creativity and different methods to reach different people. You see, gospel unity makes room for God's creativity that is expressed by your unique anointing, your unique gifting, your unique assignment and calling because we are operating from a place of oneness, not sameness. You know what excites me most? Because I believe we're about to encounter a grace, listen, that is going to release you, listen, and stir up the gifts and the callings, listen, that are upon your life so that this church can be a full expression of what the kingdom of God is supposed to be in the Thomas. And listen, if it's only my grace, how many know we rob our community? But listen, some of you are here under the sound of my voice and you've been sitting and you have a gift that has been lying dormant in your life. You have an anointing upon your life, listen, that's been lying dormant. And you say, God, why did you bring me here? Why am I at this church? I'm not plugged in. I'm not connected. I'm just telling you this morning by the power of the Holy Spirit, listen, there is a grace that is being released in the house for the next season over your life. Listen, to be activated. Listen, so that you're not a spectator, but you are a participator in what God is about to do. Listen, God is about to stir you up. You are about to be used as an instrument of righteousness. Come on, in your fullness of your gospel identity, with gospel clarity, walking in the fullness of gospel authority because you are aligned with his body and you've been assigned by God to do what he's called you to do. Listen, we want to reach this community. Listen, and God has put it in your heart. Listen, to reach the lost. Listen, I have an evangelistic heart. When we first came here, we turned our, we turned our face towards this community. But as the church, church has grown, listen, I can't do everything. The staff can't do everything. But God has brought you here in this, in this hour, listen, to be the hands and the feet of Jesus, to take the message, listen, that you receive on Sunday outside these four walls and reach people that will never darken the doorway of real life church. We have a whole nonprofit that I started called Love Natomas. It has tremendous favor in the city. And listen, you might be the person that God just brought here to real life to get that thing off the ground and back where it's supposed to be because it's a testimony to what the Lord has done. And he's put it in your heart. You say, Pastor Dean, do we have a homeless ministry? I don't know, is it locked up inside of you? You say, Pastor Dean, I've got this ministry or that ministry. I'm, I'm, I'm asking you today, listen, are you walking in the freedom? Come on, that releases that gift. Or have you been locked up by hurt? Have you been locked up by pain? Come on, have you been put away by the enemy who says, listen, you're all washed up. You're on the shelf. Nobody cares about you. But under, listen, I know somebody is here this morning, and God wants to release a fresh grace over your life. Listen, I know I get intense. Come on. But listen, I, I got to tell somebody, listen, God is not mad at you. He's mad about you. He's crazy about you. And he wants to release that gift of God in your life. That's what total freedom is. Total freedom. I'm aligned with the body, and I've been assigned by God to do what he's called me to do. With every head bowed and every eye closed, We've been seeing numerous people give their hearts to the Lord, and I don't want to 
skip this opportunity, I want to ask, is there anybody in here, you need to get right with God so you can begin to do, come on, things right. Is there anybody in here, you say, Pastor Dean, will you pray for me? I need to get right with God. Anybody, we had four people in the first service. Yes, thank you for your boldness. Yes, in the back, thank you. Anybody else want to join these two individuals? They're just saying, hey, I want to get right with God. Thank you for your boldness. We're going to pray this prayer together. Listen, if you want to get right, you didn't raise your hand, just pray with us. Can we pray on the count of three? One, two, three. Jesus, I believe you are the son of God, that you died on the cross to rescue me from sin and death and to restore me to the Father. I choose now to turn from my sins, my self-centeredness, and every part of my life that does not please you. I choose you. I give myself to you. I receive your forgiveness and ask you to take your rightful place in my life as my Savior and Lord. Restore me. Live in me and through me. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen and amen. Can we give God praise for those couple of people that raised their hands? Listen, if you prayed that prayer on your way out, there's a banner back there that says, I have decided. We just want to put this in your hands as a gift and get you connected to our foundations class, which happens on Wednesday nights, help you in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. But thank you for being bold. Will you stand with me today as our prayer ministers come? Listen, I believe there is a fresh grace, listen, that God wants to release. And I believe God, listen, I believe there are some volcanoes dormant volcanoes that are ready to erupt with giftings in the house. Listen, that God wants to release a fresh grace over your life so that you can walk in this new season that he's calling you to walk in. And as Pastor Brandon comes, listen, I want you to just come. Listen, I want you to come to the altar. Our prayer ministers will get around to you and pray with you. But listen, you need a fresh grace on your life, a fresh release to walk in the fullness of your uniqueness, come on, of your calling and your assignment. In Jesus' mighty name, Father, I pray, God, your people would respond to you and only you. In Jesus' name. Thank you again for joining us. We pray that message ministered to your heart and lifted your spirit today. Hey, to find out more about joining the RLC online family, you can find us on the Church Center app. You can also subscribe to the YouTube channel if you haven't and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. God bless you.